Welcome to Southern Salon Podcast. I'm Amy Clark Spain. And I'm Brittany Robertson, and we are so thankful to have you here with us today. We have a special guest joining us today, Ms. Candace Mead. I'm going to introduce her, and then I'm going to let her be the star of this show because she is, and let her kind of tell you a little bit about herself. Candace and I went to church together for several years. She's a, well, Candace, can I call you a Southwest Virginia native? Because I don't think you are. I'm, I'm not originally, but I've lived in the area for majority of my life at this oh, point. Okay. So we'll we'll say that she's a grafted in native of Southwest Virginia. She is a super mom of five children and owns her own business, Duke and Fox. And that's what we're going to be talking about with her today. Actually, Candace, I think you have two other kind of small businesses as well. Is that correct? We do. Just branches off of what we do. And honestly, I've just not had a whole lot of time to deal with those exclusively. So they're just sort of floating along. They're coming. Yeah. And we more with it eventually. Candace is the owner of the, again, the Etsy shop, Duke and Fox, that she sells personalized embroidered dog collars, and they are absolutely adorable. But more impressive about Candace, I think, is just the fact that she has just built this business by herself, and she continues to kind of blow the Etsy world away with the quality of the products that she has, her customer service. You know, I was looking at your page Candace, and just about the, um, you know, the reviews that you have. And it's very evident that you are customer service oriented and you know how to take care of your, your customers and you've been able to build up a really incredible business. And so we wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. And I guess the first question I have is, is maybe kind of tell us a little bit how you got started. Well, I was originally a Spanish teacher and we started having kids and I decided to stay home and take care of those kids. And I needed a hobby. I'm somebody that has to be doing something all the time. I'm all the time looking to develop a new skill set, and I wanted to sew. So I decided to sew. I started making quilts. My parents actually got me just a cheap sewing machine for Christmas and I made a quilt here, a quilt there. I wanted to personalize them. So then I got an embroidery machine, just a little one. And so it started growing and I wanted a bigger machine. I wanted a better machine. You know, then I wanted 150 different thread colors and it just started adding up really quick. And so I thought, well, I'll just start an Etsy shop and let it pay for itself. Never in a hundred years did I imagine for it to become what it has become, but it definitely paid for itself. I decided to make dog collars because we always have been dog lovers and had lots of dogs. And the dog collars started to dominate the shop because I did have baby items and handmade blankets and bibs and burp cloths and quilts and all, just a bunch of different personalized things. And slowly the dog collar started to take over and I started having to remove other things because we became busier and busier. And we have slowly grown into, you know, me doing it by myself to now we have a team of 10, including my husband and myself. It's just evolved at faster pace than what we can keep up with. And so that's probably my biggest struggle is I'm, I feel like I'm backtracked, but that's how I got started into it. It just, I found a niche and it took over. Yeah. And, and if you're unfamiliar with her product, 
It is, um, I guess your best selling product, I should say, it is a, a collar with the, an embroidered name on it. You've got a lot of prints to choose from, and then you can add like a flower to it. Is that correct? Yes. Well, what we do, we have the collars and you can order it plain or you can get it personalized with a name and a phone number or just a name. And now we have engraved buckles. So a lot of people will get a collar with the dog's name and then their personal information on the buckle. People like that because they don't have to have the jingly tags. Then we also have collars accessories like the flowers and the bow ties and leashes of course bandanas those are the basics yeah I can I can vouch for Candace's entrepreneurial spirit I remember when I first met Candace you had you were making soaps and so you had like a small soap shop so obviously you've found kind of a niche with what you're doing right now what why do you think it took off as much as it as it has well I feel like I found, well, I found, I hate to use the word niche, but I found my niche in a market and Etsy is a very, very saturated market. It is extremely hard to become a successful shop on Etsy. I look back and I really question, how did I do that? How did I break through that? Because right now we are a one per, we are at the top 1% of sellers. And last time I looked and I'm not hundred percent sure on the numbers, but there was, I think either between, it was either 2.4 or 2.9 million stores worldwide on Etsy. And we're at the top 1%. Our global rank as of last week when I looked was in the 1300s. So out of all of those 2.9 million stores were at 1300. That is insane. I know. I know. And I sometimes I just get excited and do little happy dances in my kitchen because I'm like, how am I doing this? So as far as making it happen, I, I just found something that I enjoyed doing. And I think customers obviously enjoyed the product. And so I just started developing from there. I have always worried and I and I do see now, I, I rarely look because I just, I try to do me because if I get caught up and watch and see what other people are doing, it bothers me. So I, I don't do that. I worry about me, but I have in the past, people will say, oh, I saw this store on Etsy. They look just like you. And I see that people model themselves after me. And so I sort of get upset for a minute and I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to get bothered by that. You know, I'll let my business speak for itself. I appreciate it. And I, I try to be flattered by it because I know they're trying to make it and they're trying to model themselves after somebody they see to be successful. Etsy is just so hard to get involved in, but you know, and I'm, I'm on, I'm in all these groups that are supposed to guide you and give you tips on how to have a successful Etsy shop. And I've read them and I'm like, that's a bunch of junk. And then I see people that actually sell their services on Etsy. And I'm like, well, I have more sales than they do. And I have more followers than they do. How are they trying to sell that service? You know, I don't know if it's legit. I think a lot of stores on Etsy can be not real operating stores. And for some people, it's just little hobbies. I think it's finding an item, that one item that people want and making it quality because I see some things and I said, how do people sell that? But they just, they find their niche and they make it work. Pictures, I think pictures are extremely important to represent your work. And then you have to have the customer support to back it up too. Well, I think, I think Candace is being a little humble when she says this, but she's one of the hardest workers that I know. So I think there's a lot of elbow grease that grows, that goes into what she's saying as well. And I think it's, it also has to do with your customer service and how you treat your customers. I think you're building a strong customer base because you have 
have, you have a high quality product, you've got excellent customer support. And I can see what you're saying about other businesses modeling after that, because you're, you're doing things the right way. If I were thinking of opening an Etsy shop myself, yours would be one I would model after just because I know that you've done it the right way. You've got your foundation strong. And I think that's really evident in the, the growth that you've had and the, the sales that you've had. It's, it's been a backtrack the whole time. I feel like I'm always backpedaling with everything. Paperwork, <laughs> the just keeping websites up to date. It's I feel like we are in a constant backpedal. And you say elbow grease. And I had finally gotten us to a point where I was working two days a week, doing a, mostly a lot of office work and, you know, trying to work with photographers and the social media aspects of it and all the office type stuff that is overwhelming. And before I knew it, COVID hit and my heart sunk. There was two days where I'll try not to cry because I'm a crier. Yeah, I have employees and they have families and they have bills to pay and I, I may have to lay them off because everything's about to crash. Two days later, we exploded and we are still in recovery mode, trying to get caught up. Etsy started, they launched offsite ads. And when they did that, and so we've had a hard time tracking, is it people getting stimulus money or bored shopping at home because they're not working? Or is it the offsite ads? But it's not stopped. We've just been full-time working overtime, absolutely exhausted. So, you know, my cozy setup that I had has totally changed. And I've been working in the studio five days a week, up to 60 hours a week sometimes, you know, on top of trying to take care of the kids. And because we work in my home right now with my kids and it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult. So, so we've definitely been blessed. It's been hard. And the customer support aspect of it has been extremely difficult to keep up with. I'm sure, you know, that's something a lot of people don't think about. And maybe you can touch base on that. You know, I think when I think about having a, an, an Etsy shop or really any kind of small business, I think about, well, you, you have a product, you make it and you sell it. But that's a very small portion of what actually goes on. I'm sure there's a lot on the back end as far as, you know, the business aspects and about marketing and, and advertising and things like that. So in terms of, you know, marketing yourself and your business, do you have any advice on that? What have you done? What have you seen that's worked? What's not worked? As far as marketing, when I first got onto Instagram and I've sort of been, I'm, I'm not that great at social media. I would love to be able to do like the stories and the videos, but half the time, you know, I've, I've got like a sloppy bun and I've got on a Christmas t-shirt, <laughs> you know, so I don't want to go put, and I have no makeup on. And so I don't want to go put myself on camera and make stories. And I see people, I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that because I feel like people want to see that personal aspect of your business. And that's something I'm not good at. As far as marketing, I do use Instagram and Facebook marketing and I'm very basic at it because they pick their, they pick the crowds. So I guess whatever I'm doing, it works, but I, I'm very basic when it comes to it. I don't do any other advertising besides that. I have tried using, a lot of people want to use um, like brand reps and ambassadors. I have done that in the past and I think it helped to grow me a little bit. But when I sat down at the end of the year and looked at what I was putting out and what we were gaining from it, I decided and two, I got burnt a lot. And that's a hard pill to swallow when you're trying to be really nice to people and work with people, you know, and exchange goods and services, you get burnt. It's your heart that's getting poured into it. I did that a lot and I guess it helped a little bit, but I've pushed away from that 
because I probably have gotten burnt more than it's helped me. So as far as like actual marketing, just I use the brand reps and then I just use basic Instagram and Facebook advertising or promotions and I just let them pick the audience and, and that's really about it. I've tried to do local, like I did Bristol Rhythm and Roots a couple years ago thinking that that would help reach a local audience. And I think it did to a certain extent, but not enough. I think people just go to the internet for shopping. Candace, you mentioned that go Etsy ahead. was a saturated market. So do you recommend selling on other platforms like selling through a website as well as Etsy, selling through something else? The one great thing about Etsy is it has an amazing customer base. It already has a built-in customer base. So if you have a product that people want, that's the place to put it. I personally, that's my go-to for everything. If I want to get something special or like I was just looking for key fobs for a new vehicle we got and I bought really nice, fancy leather key fob covers. I'm like, yes, Father's Day presents. As far as other platforms, I have started on, yeah, Amazon Prime. I'm handmade, but I have not had a whole lot of time to continue with it. So I would like to try that out more. I do have my own standalone website. I try to push it more because that's my website. I'm not paying a cut to Etsy, advertising fees to Etsy. So I love Etsy, but I can do more with my own personal site, you know, and I have a web developer that helps me with that. But as far as other platforms, I know there's tons of crafty platforms out there. I just don't hear a lot about them. But I definitely have told my husband I would love to list more on Amazon Prime, on The Handmade, and then also on eBay. I've heard eBay is a great market to list on. And I used to, like, I don't know, maybe in the late 90s or early 2000s, you know, like jewelry and used jeans and things like that. But as far as like running a business off of eBay, I've never really thought much into that. But more and more lately, I've seen a lot more of that. So that's something I'd like to try. And I think that that does work out well. So my <laughs> daughter and I, we want to start an Etsy shop soon. And we've been working on a logo and we've been making our stock. And so I was really excited to be able to talk to you today, Candace, for that, for that reason too. When someone is just starting out, like what is the number one thing that I need to know? Like I'm hearing you say that, you know, don't expect overnight success. Don't expect, you know, it's a saturated market and things like that. Right now, we're just, it's something that we're learning about. What are your tips for someone who's never done this before, who's learning as she goes? You know, the benefit of your experience, you've been doing this long enough that you, you know what works and what doesn't. I think photos has a lot to do with it. I think you obviously want high quality photos, but you also want realistic photos. And one thing I've noticed on Etsy is there are shops with beautiful pictures and have absolutely no sales. And I look at that and I think, well, is it because people don't see the handmade aspect there? As much as I want my shop to be perfect and I really try, I'll look and I'll be like, oh, I really need to get that picture edited. This picture needs to be replaced and I just don't have a chance to get to it. So I think pictures are a huge driving factor, probably to start because with Etsy, you can put money into advertising on Etsy. And I didn't mention that but I also do do that. Um, you can choose different amounts. And so probably just starting out, I would put in larger amounts 
So you do have to, you know, you can't just list an item and hope somebody finds it. You're going to have to find a way to put it out there. So I think Etsy, they are driven a lot by traffic. Like if people are coming to Etsy and liking your items and favoriting your items and purchasing your item, it's sort of like a ladder. That item is going to creep up. And so the more people that like it, favorite it, purchase it, the higher it gets. So if, for instance, you're making throw pillows, most people are just going to go in there and search throw pillows. Well, the top shop is going to dominate those top listings. You may be on page 200 of throw pillows. So you need to like find a way to work your way up to the first page. And the only way I know to do that, besides getting the organic traffic and the sales, is to try to market that. So you would maybe have to do on their lar- pay for their larger amount of marketing to show up in the first mm-hmm. few pages. We're both communication teachers. And so I'm, I'm curious about your communication strategies with your audience. I'm, I'm curious about if you have any specific ways that you like to approach your buyers in terms of questions or any interaction that they have. What recommendations do you have either communicating directly with them or communicating about your product? I know you said make sure that the message is that it is handmade, but what else would you say about that? Okay. So when I deal with customers, I literally, I couldn't even put a number. I probably get 30 messages a day and I'm just roughly guesstimating that because it may be a lot more than that. And I literally answer messages 24 hours a day because I have a baby and I'm still nursing her. She's, she just turned one. I'm still nursing her. So I wait and she, she's a horrible sleeper. So we wake up a lot in the night and I nurse her, have to nurse her back to sleep, you know, to keep myself up. I'll just respond to messages because people will send me messages 24 hours a day. And so sometimes those messages are probably not the best responded messages to they're short. And I have learned that communicating with customers I need to be thorough, you know, not just a yes, thanks, Candace. It needs to be a yes, if you would like to go here and purchase this and just be thorough and very explanatory with your questions because I feel, and I don't even, I can't think of the word. They can't hear my response via messages. And so they may interpret it the wrong way. I feel we have amazing reviews and customer service is a top priority to me. But we have some bad reviews. There has been some customers that I have tried to work with and things just have not worked out. And it may have been a mistake on their part. It may have been a mistake on my part. I try my best to make things right. But then there's some times that I just have to say, I have to walk away from that. I can't make them happy. I don't know if anybody can. And my husband tells me, you need to decide if dealing with that person is worth your time. He said, if if they're not happy, refund the order, walk away, don't respond to them again. Yeah, that's a really important, I, I can understand that. And I think that that's probably important. I do. And then, but a part of me thinks, well, I just, I don't want to leave this like that. But then I think, and I hate to use the term, it could be some Karen from wherever and who just is not a happy person. And I can't fix that with a dog collar. And I have to remind myself I'm selling dog collars. If we make mistakes, I'm always, you know, I'll get a new one in the mail for you the next day. Um, and because of course we don't want to make mistakes for us. That's more time. That's money. That's, you know, more material. It's puts a kink in our plan for the next day. And a lot of people don't understand that. So I I try to be transparent and understanding and thorough with customers. As far as 
listings and showing the handmade aspect of that. I mean, you want to sound professional. You want to make yourself present yourself as a real store, as a real person, just to include some information about you in the listing details. Or, you know, I see some stores that don't have any personal aspect to them or like the about us section. I like to see who I'm working with sometimes or who I'm purchasing from. I, I like buying handmade. So I like to see the personal aspect. I like to get a note that says, thanks for your order, Candace, or, you know, I, I enjoy that. And I think that's why a lot of people choose Etsy is because they like that. They like being able to shoot somebody a message and saying, thank you so much, Candace. Can you do this and this for me? Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Candace. I think people like that. I think it makes them feel special. And especially when they're investing sometimes 50 some dollars into one collar. But I had to laugh Absolutely. when you said, so I can't I, fix that with a dog collar. That's, go ahead. That's the best line. <laughs> That's a quotable quote. <laughs> but that's so true. And that's so life. You know, there are people that you're not ever going to make satisfied. And I think, you know, Candace, as a mom whose time is so valuable, you know, everybody's time is valuable. But I think you're you're more aware of your time when you've got five people depending on you. I think you you kind of have to pick and choose what you're going to spend that time on. You want to you want to have happy customers, but you you've got to have that within reason. I think that's totally fair to to think that way. I could talk to you until the sun went down tonight, but I know I know we've got to to wrap things up quickly. But one final question that I had for you: You've been in this now for has it been two years. Uh well, I've just, I've been doing the sewing for four years, but okay. we had to rebrand and shuffle things around. And so Duke and Fox became Duke and Fox rebranded and everything in the beginning of 2018. Okay. So you've got four years of experience under your belt selling um, handmade goods. What's your biggest piece of advice for something that something not to do? What have you learned the hard way or what would you do differently now after four years in the business if you were just starting up? That's a hard <laughs> that a loaded question. <laughs> it is because my struggle, and I've said it I, before, but I feel like I operate backwards. And I, it's not something I've really told anybody yet, so I'm not going to mention names or anything, but we've been sought out by a major retailer. And David is telling me, my husband is telling me, you know, maybe we just might not be able to do this. And I'm like, no, I am going to make this happen. <laughs> and so he's like, well, how? And so in my head, I'm like, okay, I can, I need to get this machine, this machine, this machine, have this person. I need five more people to do just exclusively this. And so the thing is, is I may take the order and then I'm going to panic for the next three weeks trying to process the order to get it out to this major retailer because it's numbers that we've not dealt with before. I, I guess my biggest piece of advice would be don't panic about the small things. People panic about a wholesale license. People panic about not knowing how to pay your, something as simple as paying your sales tax. Setting up, like, I really need a 1-800 number because I just have my personal cell phone number out there. Nobody ever really, nobody ever calls me. But I just feel like I'm constantly backtracking and I try not to stress out about it. But I don't think you really have any other choice because you don't know where you're going to go pretty much until you get there when it comes to this. Just don't sweat the details and just chug along as you can. Take it each day at a time. And as far as 
taxes and accounting. I panic about that all the time because I'm, I'm like, sorry, I'm like three months behind <laughs> on even getting my bookkeeping done. And when it comes down to it, we always get it done. You're okay. a mom and your wife and you, you know, you have this big family and you've got this wonderful business. I just, I hear how much work it is, but I think it's going to be inspiring for so many people in our list among our listeners who have their own businesses to hear how you make it work. Thank you. I sometimes I look at it and think, wow, this is a zoo because literally I shower. I really do shower. <laughs> but I showed up to work in my house the next day, but I was wearing the same thing I wore the day before. You know what? I've not had a chance to shower yet, but we got work to do. It definitely has its hard parts. I'm very blessed in the fact that I my father's retired military and he's in a wheelchair and he actually comes and watches my kids for me every day. So he drives 45 minutes to come watch my kids. You know, I'm in, I can hear my kids. I'm, you know, in my studio and then I'm taking care of my kids. So I am very blessed to be, because if I wasn't working in the home, I'd probably be working outside of the home or probably teaching. It is a blessing to have my father here to help us. I'm, I love that we are able to work here and have a home large enough where I can, where we can have a full staff and work here and enjoy it. And it's, it's great. I love it. Um, it's stressful, but I really, really love it. I agree with what Amy said. I think you are the the picture of, you know, a mom who wanted things for herself, whether that be more time with her kids, more opportunities for her kids. And you, you literally took the bull by the horns and created this for yourself and your family. And it's paid off for you in so many ways, not just financially, but just in so many ways. And I, I agree with Amy. I think that that is so inspirational. I know there's so many moms out there that, you know, maybe thinking about a little side business or, you know, doing something just to kind of help their family out and seeing your success and seeing, you know, that you've kept your values the same. Those have never wavered and you've kept your foundation strong. I think that's just incredible. Thank you. Well, that's all we've got time for today, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really sad to let this one go too. I'm already sitting here thinking of more questions that we can ask Candace the next time we bring her on the show. But thank you so much for joining us, Candace. You've been a pleasure to talk to to be back to talk with you all soon. Bye. Thank you. 